So uh, we're gonna t- we're talking about the Super Bowl commercials um, from we we this year's um, from the Torah perspective again when it comes to false advertising. So just I found here um, just to explain from the FTC's viewpoint and how that fits within halacha. So in a- 1983, in a response to a congressional request, the FTC promulgated the criterion it uses in evaluating complaints of falsehood and deception in advertising. The commission defined deception as a representation, a mission or practice that is likely to mislead the consumer acting reasonably in the circumstances. So by the way, this is um, everything we're going to talk about. I didn't have enough time to prepare, but very relevant to uh, the, the debates also, of course, with the candidates, the campaign going on. So a lot of these same issues are relevant, meaning when a, how does it work? How do we define lying when um, in a debate someone or a candidate in a it's very relevant also, um, meaning what's the definition of, uh, of deception or lying. So the same topic, also, I didn't have the time or the patience to go through Kenneth's speeches, um, so we're going to stick to the, co- the commercials. Okay, so giving uh, concertness to this criteria is the FTC standard for substantiation, sub- sorry, substantiation and its policy of materiality. Substantiation requirement tells the advertiser that before disseminating a claim, must have a reasonable basis for supporting the claim. A firm's failure to possess and rely upon a reasonable basis for objective claims constitutes a deceptive act. Okay, so that, this is the FCC's criterion for falsehood and deception. In regulating advertising, the FCC, the FTC does not see a public interest in ferreting out all forms of falsehood. The FTC is concerned only with falsehood that is detrimental to the consumer. The detriment criterion is referred to as the materiality condition. So in order to be, to uh, let's say, sue a company for falsehood in their advertising, according to the FCC, it would have to be a materiality issue, meaning something that affected, affected you um, financially. Okay, you actually had a loss because of their false advertising that caused you some form of um, material loss. Okay, which is a, obviously very broad and very hard to prove. Um, Criterion and halacha, as we'll see, in Jewish law is much stricter in what you're in false advertising <coughs> and deception, as we're going to see. So, in his historical review of the materiality condition, Professor Ivan Preston shows that the FTC understood it in very broad terms. To be deceptive, according to the FTC definition, it is not nece- necessary to make a claim that is judged likely to induce a purchase that would not otherwise have taken place. So, even if you're going to say, I wouldn't have bought this product. I wouldn't have seen that advertisement. That, that's not sufficient. Rather, detriment exists if the deceptive claim is likely, quote, is likely to affect the consumer's choice or of, con- or of or conduct regarding a product, end quote. Illustrate, suppose a firm rep- rep- misrepresents its product in the print media, but corrects the misrepresentation when the consumer comes to the showroom, the ad is nonetheless deceptive. Though the deception may have no direct bearing on the ultimate purchase decision, the claim may unfairly, unfairly attract business to the seller's store, thereby enabling the salesperson to apply persuasive techniques that otherwise would not have been possible. This broad conceptualization of materiality will be evident in the manner in which the FTC handled various complaints, as the Kraft complaint was dissuaded later in this chapter. Okay, so, um, so, the, so again, as we're going to see, there's a very different definition by the FTC and in the Torah's definition of deception, um, as we're going to see. So, the first issue uh, when it comes to um, false advertising is, as we discussed 
many times in, in our previous classes on the past year Supermo commercials. I don't know if we did it last year, but two years ago, is the concept of what's called Geneva Dat. Um, that means in Jewish law, conveying a false impression is prohibited, even if there's no outright lying. Meaning, even if you're not necessarily saying something that's a lie, or you're not. Um, I'll talk about intention a little later, but but uh, just conveying a false impression. And the classical cases, as we discussed in the past, were like, let's say, I um, discussed this in many applications, but let's say I know, um, you know, Brian's going to be out of town this coming Shabbos, either Brian, and I invite him for Shabbat dinner, knowing that he's, he, you know, I heard from someone else that he's traveling. So I really don't want to have him. I want to score the brownie points. Um, by having, by being nice and inviting him for Shabbat, knowing that there's no way he's going to come. Meaning, if I thought he might come, I probably wouldn't be invited. Nothing personal. Um, okay, so so that is that's the classical case of what's called Geneva Tat. You're deceiving someone's mind. I mean, he thinks you really like him, and you're just inviting him only because you you, you know he's not going to, no chance that he's coming. Okay, that's that's classical case of Geneva Tat. There are many applications of that, as we'll see. Um, we'll discuss some other ones. But the, f the first um, issue is, is also relevant, and I want to show the first exhibit here is relevant to comparative advertising. Um, again, there's no comparative advertising is permitted within FTC regulations. Um, as long as you even, um, as long as you're, um, I, th I think, I'm just make sure I'm corrected what the criterion is exactly, I don't remember it offhand. Um, again, as long as you're not representing something falsely, I mean, even if you are, let's say you say our product is better than theirs. Technically, according to FTC guidelines, that's not a problem. Um, as long as, again, there's no material loss in buying this product over that product. If there is a material loss, then that, that's the only time it would be a, a problem according to the FTC. So the only, in this year's Super Bowl, actually, was very little, interestingly enough, comparative advertising. The one that I did see that stood out was this one, which was a boring um, uh, laundry detergent commercial. I don't know why they allowed it even on the Super Bowl. Though. A leading consumer testing publication recently tested the top laundry detergents. The winner, Persil 2-in-1, didn't only beat time, it beat every single detergent tested. Switch to Brazil Pro Clean 2-in-1, number one rated. Okay, it's so very simple commercial, less than 30 seconds, cost them a few million dollars, a um, couple, couple million dollars. But they actually did the research, and believe it or not, they are correct. Consumers Reports rated this detergent better than Tide. In, 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 uh, actually, really one in only one area, which was bloodstains. Everything else was equal to Tide. But the fact that... Uh, that they did technically, so the overall they're a better detergent. So they didn't, there's really nothing wrong with that comparative advertising, as we're going to see. Um, there is one issue, uh, just in halacha, you know, even if it's true, everything's true, to disparage someone else's product might still be an issue in halacha. That's why I looked down and quote five, which is called Miskabed Beklon Shachaver. In other words, you're not supposed to elevate yourself at the expense of a friend's degradation. But in this case, I'm not sure here they're not even doing that. They're just saying they're the best detergent, even compared to Tide. So they're not even, they're not denigrating Tide or any other detergent. So this advertising, this would be a typical comparative advertising, which would be 100% ethical, 100% legal, 
on FTC criterion and on halachic criterion. Okay. Um, now this one may be the Ganevus task. Let me show you the next one. Am I the only one that's never heard of it? Oh, so it's actually interesting. So I did, I was looking it up because I didn't either. It's a new, it's a German product. New German product has just come to the States. Um, Walmart brought it. It's actually, I don't know if it's still, but initially it was only sold in Walmart. It's only sold in Walmart. Oh. And it's a German, in Europe, it seems like it's a great brand. Everyone loves it. And that's why they decided to bring it here. Walmart's bringing it in. Um, it actually is, they're saying, better than Tide. You've seen it's the it? Same price. You've I've never seen it. seen it, no. I just, because I was I researching it for for the class, that's where I found it. This one is. Here, so this I mean, is. <laughs> this is great commercial. Thank you. Hey! See the guy taking my little girl out, huh? Yep. Huh. See? You know, why don't you go ahead and take my new car? Thanks, Pops. Go on, that great commercial but if you when I, I did the research on this product the Hyundai the car finder so the facts are it only can find your car if you're within a mile radius <laughs> okay so <laughs> okay so it's only if it's on it's on your watch or smartphone it's an app um, but if you're within less than a mile if you're in more actually more than a mile away it won't work Okay. So it's like it for a parking lot or something. Right. So I don't know what, what exactly it's good for, but it clearly would not work in a case of um, to, to follow your daughter on a date. Probably would not work. So this would be maybe be an example of, of what we're saying in a certain sense, Geneva that, um, because it, they're clearly implying this deception in the sense of trying to get you to believe that you can find that, you know, you'll be able to track anything anywhere from all around the city. Again, it could be the father was within a mile during the whole uh, following it around, but, but clearly there's there's a certain sense of deception. If you do look it up, it works a, it works only within a mile. Now, by the way, there was fine print in the beginning that I believe might have said that in the commercial. So there is, you know, as they flash it on the screen for, for, you know, 10 seconds. So technically, again, that becomes a legal issue. They probably fulfilled, legally they fulfilled their obligation, but as far as Allah would be concerned, that could be an issue of again, trying to convey this impression that you can track your car anywhere in the, in the city, um, probably, probably a false impression. Um, and I put down here, so this concept of Gnevedad, as we discussed many times, is um, conveying a false impression. It says it's actually, in a certain sense, worse than actual stealing, the Talmud says. It's the highest level. There's different levels of thievery. Um, stealing the minds of people, it says, is worse than any, anything else. Again, because the assumption is you assume that it's not a big thing. You know, I'm not... I'm not lying. Listen, there's nothing lying in the commercial in this case. 
But if your intention is to convey a false impression, like we said, as to invite someone Shabbat, or for example, it, the Talmud discusses kosher, um, kosher laws, where let's say it says a Gentile um, wants to buy, people think kosher is better. Now for Gentile, we, we don't really, they don't, it's irrelevant if it's kosher or not. So you'll sell this and you'll, tell, you'll portray it as kosher, even though it's really not. So that, according to the Talmud says, is prohibited. You know, it doesn't make a difference really to the Gentile if it's kosher or not. But he's saying that would be another violation of what's called Geneva. That there's no monetary loss. Because in essence, and I can tell you the truth, kosher is not necessarily better quality. People think it is. There's a, today it's a billion dollar industry, the kosher industry, because people, because it's mostly Gentiles buying it because they think kosher is better quality and cleaner and whatever, which technically it's not. I mean, maybe you know, in certain instances it might. Surely it's not healthier, I can tell you that. Um, anyone who eats good Jewish foods knows that they're not healthier than... Uh, so it's all in a certain sense of perception, um, a false perception. So, so it says the Talmud, you can't give off the impression that something's kosher when it truly is not. Again, even though there's no material loss. So Gnevedah, what's interesting about Gnevedah is it, it doesn't need... It's stealing, but without any material loss. And this is where, again, we, co- we contrast it with the FTC. FTC is saying deception is only prohibited if there's going to be a material loss. Halacha says no. Material loss is irrelevant. Even if in the person's mind he thinks he's getting a certain um, betterness or better quality, whatever the case is, it's irrelevant. There's no material loss involved. He bought this product only because of your deception to his mind. That's sufficient to, uh, that you're called a thief in Jewish law. Uh, at least you're still a thief and stealing his mind, okay? Um, and, and as we discussed <coughs> many times, uh, Moshe Feinstein has a fascinating response where he talks about cheating on, on SATs, on different standardized testing, and he says, besides being a violation of this law, of Geneva that, but it's also a violation of, um, of, he says, actual stealing, because if you get a job based on that, because if you come with a resume you, and your resume says you passed, got an X, X score on your SAT, and, and that's how you got into college, or that's how you got into your graduate program, and you really didn't, okay, so then when you get your job, he says you're actually stealing, because that guy, the assumption is that that boss wouldn't have hired you, assuming you didn't have that score. That would have said in your resume, whatever, however you pad your resume, um, but the point is, if you end up getting a job by padding your resume, and now the, the assumption is, he says, if that's, that's the assumption, is the boss only hired you because of that that, that, that statement in your resume, and that's not true. So now every time you get your paycheck, he says you're stealing, which is a pretty serious, uh, pretty scary statement. Okay, so that, again, we'll talk about it at the end. Of course, padding, meaning embellishing your resume is different than padding it. Okay. <laughs> Embellishment <laughs> means, you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there might be a fine line, but the point is there's a difference, meaning there's a certain assumption when you send the resume that it's, you know, you're gonna, there is some embellishment there, as we see in advertising also. So that, Assumption is allowed. There is some leeway of embellishment. Embellishment is allowed because it's understood that people embellish. <coughs> but if you're putting something that I went, you know, I went to Harvard. And I never, you know, all I did was visit, um, you know, visit the kitchen, the cafeteria there, you know, and, I, and you write I attended Harvard. So that's different okay, than just than saying, um, I don't know, what, what is I have a yeah. I'm saying that so you, you there is a there might be a fine line, but there is a big difference, and we'll talk about that later at the end. Um, when it comes when it's more relevant. So the other, other important thing to know about this is that, and I don't know, I'm trying to think how it's applicable in this case, but if you should have known 
um, should have known this. There's some things that are so obvious. Well, the FTC also talks about this. That if the reasonable person, the FTC calls it, the reasonable man should have known, would know that this is not what they mean. And let's see if I can find an example of that. Um, Where was that picture taken? This is in, the, in Israel last Friday, in the Arab marketplace. Who's a pretty girl? That's my daughter. Really? She lives in Israel? She's there for the year. She's a student for the year. Good for her. I lost... Um, one second, I just lost my folder here. What's the name of it? So, in the past, we've played commercials that show the pretty girl driving the car, things like that, where you know, it's the reasonable man is not going to assume just because I'm buying uh, Hyundai Genesis, you know, I'm going to get Kate Upton as my date, right? Most reasonable men would assume that. So, there are some <laughs> who might not. Um, but those are, again, it goes by the reasonable man. Just because you bought the car because thinking you're going to get Kate Upton doesn't mean you, you can sue Genesis. Um, I'm not sure, well, Hyundai. Right, you can sue Hyundai. Um, but so notice it has to be, again, and this is the Talmud agrees with that concept. If you look here at the top of the page, it says, Marzutra, the son of Nachman, was once going from Sikra to Mahuza, while Rava and Ribsafra were going to Sikara. And they met on the way. So two rabbis, two groups of rabbis walking, they meet each other on the way, believing that they had come to meet him. So one rabbi thinking, well, he's king rabbi. So he assumed the other rabbis had come out, he's just walking into the city, he assumed they're coming out to greet him. That's why they leave. But meanwhile, they were just going on a trip. They had no idea he was coming. So he, he said to them, why did the rabbis make the trouble to come so far to meet me? Right, he assumed they came to meet him. Safra replied, we did not know that the master was coming. Had we known of it, we would have put out ourselves, we would have put ourselves more out, out than this. We would have put out the red carpet. We really had no idea you'd come. Don't, uh, don't be so high on yourself. So Rava said to him, why did you tell him? He says, why not make him feel good? He assumed you're coming to meet him. So why do you, why do you uh, mess up his, his uh, surprise? And now upset him. He replied, but we would be deceiving him otherwise. Meaning, he's saying, we couldn't, I couldn't lie to him. If I really didn't come to see him, and this, like I mentioned in the past, this is something that happens often as a rabbi. You go to visit someone in the hospital and happen to bump into another patient on the floor. Okay, and they say, wow, rabbi, you came all the way here to see me. Of course, there's no way you would have came to see this guy. It was just him. The other guys are big donors. You're coming to see him. Okay, so so the so the so that's a problem maybe according to this. Do I have to tell the other guy? I don't know. I wouldn't. I really came to see the guy in the next room. Right? Obviously, it's going to make him feel bad. So he's saying. So that was the issue here. He's saying, "What? Do you make him feel bad?" So he said, "Otherwise, I would have been deceiving him. I have to let him know." He said, "No, he would be deceiving himself." Meaning, if the reasonable man shouldn't have assumed that, so that's not called deception. Okay, like we're saying with the Kate Upton in the car. Um, the reasonable man is not necessarily assuming that they're going to get that date. So then that's not deception. If the guy's fooling himself, the bottom line is if, if the person's fooling themselves, that's, I'm not deceiving him. If someone really thinks that, that's gonna, you know, that they're going to get that date, so they're deceiving themselves. That's not called Gnevata. So it's important to know that distinction. Again, it's hard to be objective sometimes or subjective. Um, so I'm trying to see if there's a commercial there like that. Um, but if he was used to traveling and having people welcome him as he's entering the town or on his way in, so now he's got an expectation of... Yeah, but I'm saying just because you meet someone doesn't mean they're coming out to greet you. There's, there's many reasons they could be leaving, they're well, walking. Well, that fine line of you tell the white lie so you don't bust in the bubble. 
Yeah, but, I, but he wasn't concerned about that here. The question was, again, if it was yeah. truly deception, meaning if, obviously, no one insults someone, but the point is, the question is, is he deceiving himself, thinking that, oh, they're coming to see me, or is, am I deceiving him by just playing along with him and saying, yeah, we came to see you? That's really the question. Okay, so I want to see if I find, here, let's say, like, take this one. Maybe this would be a good example of this. So this is a Taco Bell commercial, which maybe fits this criteria here. <laughs> see, as long as you don't need it. This is going to be bigger than man bones. This is going to be bigger than Tinder. This is going to be bigger than drones. What? It's going to be bigger than aliens. Aliens? This is going to be bigger than those things. It's going to be bigger than football. So the, the, here the question is again, is it really, obviously they're saying it's going to be bigger than it, that's not, no one really believes it's going to be the biggest thing that came out. The assumption, oops, the assumption is they're just saying, you know, everyone understands, the reasonable man understands, they're just trying to push their product. Uh, Another example of that would be this. This wasn't in the Super Bowl, but I found this. This was I found this fascinating. Um, this is on. This was on BuzzFeed. They show you McDonald's advertisement and compare it to the real thing. I mean, they show you a picture of what it is, looks like in the advertisement, what it looks like in real life when you go to McDonald's. So this is something that might fit this question also. Again, this so I think every reasonable man knows you're wa watching a commercial with, uh, you know, when you stick your fork into the tomato, it doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> right, with this cheese dripping down perfectly. So this is another example where you're deceiving yourself. You really watch the commercial and think this is what is obviously it's not never as good, never looks as good as the commercial. So I think that again is a wouldn't be a problem. There's nothing wrong. Obviously, you're gonna do a commercial there. People have makeup on. The food has makeup on. The, that's the way to do it, the trick photography. 
think the reasonable man understands that. And therefore, it's not, there's no issue of deception there. That's not called Ganeva's das. That's what I, I would tend to believe. Okay? So, um, so, let's move on to number two. So, Lifneiva. This is important in the sense of it's a topic we discussed many times in the past, also in a lot of different applications. But there's an interesting, uh, fascinating verse in the Torah we discussed, which the verse says, you shall not place a stumbling block in front of the blind. Um, so that is interpreted in the literal sense, Charlie Chaplin, you know, Charlie Chaplin throwing a banana peel down in front of someone who's going to slip. That's prohibited. In, it's broadened in the Talmud to also include um, and it's a whole different topic we discussed in other applications, which is um, blind, meaning someone spiritually blind. So let's say assisting someone in sin or enabling someone to do a sin, which they couldn't do without you, that would be placing a stumbling block in front of the blind, quote-unquote. That's not, we're not going to discuss that today. The third interpretation, uh, broadened, and the prohibition includes all three of these interpretations, is... Um, giving bad advice, meaning if someone's blind, someone comes to you as a, as a rabbi, professional, even in a non-professional setting, professional setting, it's irrelevant. And you know, um, intentionally give them bad advice. Let's say they're coming, they want to buy uh, uh, this house in the neighborhood, and you, you really want the house. Or you know, your brother is, is wants the house, so you tell them, no, it's a terrible house. So if you're intentionally giving someone bad advice, that fits under the heading of placing a stumbling block in front of the blind. Again, blind in this case, meaning he doesn't know the facts, and you're, he's coming to you for the facts, and you're intentionally giving them bad advice, so that, says the Talmud, is also a violation of this biblical law. Okay? So now, if, if a brand is pushing their brand over another one, saying, buy our brand because it's better, or intentionally telling you to buy this because it has this, this feature or this aspect, and they're knowing, intentionally knowing that it's, it's really not as good as the other brands, that, again, would be technically a violation of this law, um, even again, material gain, not immaterial gain, it's irrelevant. It's immaterial. Um, so giving bad advice would be a, 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 uh, a violation of this. So even if it's not comparative advertising, um, if, surely if they're saying our product is better than the other one, that means they tell you buy this detergent knowing that it's really not better than the other one, that would be offering bad advice. Um, if, but even if they're not comparing it to another brand, just saying this, we have this specific feature, it's wrong. Yeah. Are you talking Jew to Jew again? Oh, uh, well, well, interestingly enough, this, yeah, so this is one of the, this technically, this, stealing is prohibited for everyone. This is not really called stealing. You're just giving bad advice intentionally. This prohibition is one of the 613. No, so by the way, so it's not applicable only to Jew to Jew, meaning only a Jew is obligated in this law, but irrelevant, meaning, for, exa- for example, let's say the other interpretation is assisting someone in sin. So if it's a sin for the non-Jew, I can't help him either. Let's say adultery. Can't, uh, let's say that website, uh, Ashley Madison. As a Jew, I couldn't be managing the website because I'm assisting people in sin. That would be an example of it. Or, you know, enabling. So even what, if it's what, for non jews What if he's a Mormon and uh, wants multiple wives? <laughs> so that's okay? No. No, I'm saying because the Torah says adultery is prohibited. No, for the women. Right, for men it wouldn't be. Even in Judaism, by the way. David, I got good news for you. David, I got good news for you. Even in Judaism, multiple wives are not prohibited. So it's only prohibited for a woman can't have multiple husbands. But technically, biblically, according to the Torah, a male can have multiple wives. So the same thing in Judaism. 
rabbinically, they pray, it's only rabbinically. rabbinically. Okay, don't get any ideas. Twice the, a while. Who wants twice the service? <laughs> so now the. the so again, so to answer your question, the prohibition of offering of this neighbor, this verse is applicable for a Jew um, assisting others in sin or giving bad advice would be across the board, even for non Jews. Um, the prohibition is only for a Jew, meaning non Jews don't have it's one of the 613. So they don't have this prohibition for them to offer bad advice. If a non Jew offers bad advice, they're not in violation. That's the difference. So if the company, you know, it would only be relevant if the company we're talking about is owned by a Jew. This pr- problem in advertising, as it applies to advertising. Okay, but again, so offering intentional bad advice, whether it's as a stockbroker, as a uh, rabbi, or as anything, even just as a friend, is prohibited if it's intentional. Um, if you didn't know, if you thought this was the best advice, so you did your best, that, that's not a violation, even though it ended up being bad advice. Um, retroactively. So again, if, uh, it has to be you intentionally know your product. If you really think your product is the best product, it's better than Tide, so then you have a right to say that. If, if you're in, you really believe that, even though it might not be true, but if your intention was, this really is a better product. We'll be happier without a product, with our product. Um, if you know your product is inferior, and you're offering and you're advertising it as a better product, that's where it becomes an issue. Okay. So, um, there is a question if, let's say, the opposite, let's say you offered bad advice and the guy didn't take my advice, did I still violate the law? So that would be relevant to commercial law. So meaning, is the, is the violation only if the person ended up using my advice and he, and he was wrong by it? Or is it even if I just gave the bad advice? What's the prohibition? Is giving the bad advice intentional bad advice? Or is it only if they actually acted on the bad advice? So that's, that's, there's two opinions on that. But um, so there's a commercial here. <laughs> Speak to your local Speak to your local rabbi. So here, one say this was a this was a great commercial, um, and it's questionable um, because I'll tell you this is, in this case I think the facts were wrong, but watch the commercial. Okay, so 
The issue here is I actually looked a Google PS speed. We do it at Please, actually, according to this, what? This was the Super Bowl, yeah. Did you watch the Super Bowl? No. How's it Israel? <laughs> um, I said it failed or went down. Prius? Yeah. Really? Oh, because yeah, of the gas. Uh, yeah, right. So, yeah, top EV speed. The, the PIP, I'm not sure what it stands for, has a top, which is the Prius. I don't know what the IP says. Has a top EV speed of 62 miles per hour. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, can still go faster than that using battery power, but the car requires the engine to be running at speeds over 62. I'm not sure what that means. The energy products can do, energy products can do 85 miles per hour in EV mode with the engine off. You know, the Chevy Volt can go 100 miles per hour without the engine running. So, so 62 miles per hour is what they're saying here. Maybe 85 in certain instances. So, so it's clearly, still not faster than the police car. No. Right. I'm saying there is a little. I mean, this. The question here is that you know, are they uh, clearly deceiving you? Meaning, if you're in, trying to buy a fast car and you watch this commercial again, I, I can't imagine anyone. <laughs> but still, they're telling you we're just as fast. We're you know faster than police cars. Which is clearly, it might be two things. First of all, clearly with either we're saying giving bad advice. If you're looking for a speed in your car claiming it has, it has speed. Number two is that it's probably number three, which is Lashonara um, or Moti Shemra. Well, that's really about it. another product. But meaning, it clearly might be stating or giving clearly giving that impression that it has speed. You know, at 62 miles per hour, at least where I come from, is not considered speed so I, in a car. Maybe um, if you live in Bel Air, you can't drive over 35. And <laughs> so I, I had a different issue with this ad. Yes. Um, I, mean, I found it amusing. Yeah. But I had an issue that it may it glorify breaking the law. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, to me, I'm surprised that a, a major company like Toyota would put an ad out that says kids do. You know, the kids are just saying the kids please. are watching right. them. I mean, yeah. Well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anybody went out to rob a bank, but it makes light oh, of uh, going in and, and conducting an armed robbery. Yeah, it's also, I think it's the car chase, it's like the OJ, you know, it's... All right, all the of car, that. It's glorifying the car chase, please. Can we do that all the time? That is true. Yeah, that is. OJ Simpson wasn't driving when they thought of that. It wasn't their money, but they paid for the car. Yeah. <laughs> right, so that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. That's a whole different issue. We're not going to go on TV in general and movies. I think we glorify a lot of things that we shouldn't be glorifying. Well, um, yeah, but, you know, in a movie, to me, there's a distinction between a movie that is, um, you know, nobody believes people can fly. So Superman's flying around, and the bad guys are flying around, or cars are transforming themselves into, you know, um, you know, this this is put out by a major manufacturer saying, you know, look look at my Prius can outrun the cops. <laughs> but a reasonable man is not going to think that. But it, absolutely. But, but it glorifies it. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, a reasonable man would say yeah. it's not going to do so Okay, so I guess the in a bigger sense is there a responsibility when you're doing a commercial that you don't entice somebody who, obviously, the average person is not going to go around the bank. 
but entice somebody who might be mentally off that might yeah, be well, listen, but again, you have to worry about the reasonable man. Let's be honest here, in all our commercials, and what about objectifying women, I mean, that's advertising is, all they do is show women in bikinis, and that's how they sell every breath. But today we didn't have, we didn't show somebody, actually, as you know, this, this Super Bowl, uh, my wife told me, I, I was in Israel, usually I, my son wants to watch it, so I allow him to go to a friend's house. What we do is we have, at the commercial, because the halftime show and commercial, I have issues with that and my child watching them. So we have, uh, we learn at the same, we have a Mishnah school, we, learn, we take them out the we give prizes to the kids at the, during the commercials to study. So we have, uh, you know, five minute breaks, and the halftime, um, with all the issues with halftime in the past years of, of uh, you know, uh, what's it called, malfunctions. Wardrobe. Wardrobe malfunctions. And so this year I was in Israel, and so my wife called me up and said, well, who's going to go take, you know, watch the Super Bowl? He called my son, called me up and said, we want to watch the commercial. So believe it or not, there was very few commercials yeah, that I wouldn't have problems, much less than previous years. I'm very impressed. Well, much less naked women. What? Does he go outside? Right. Does he live in the world? Nine, nine, yeah, five, I'm okay. saying, but to watch some of the stuff, I wouldn't. I'm not comfortable with him seeing. See, we have a filter on our internet. What? Yeah, I'm saying was, this year was much less, noticeably less, um, scantily clad women in commercials this year. I don't know what it is. I'm sure that mm-hmm. has tamped his desired weight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that. Come on. Uh, <laughs> doesn't even think about girls anymore. Yeah. Well, this year was Super Bowl L. Next year, Super Bowl LI, it's going to be in Houston. LI, they call it Super Bowl L. Okay. So it's a Roman number, L. So therefore, 50. Okay. And? So what does that have to do? Uh, be, be, Beyonce, Beyonce <laughs> uh, was here this year, and, and next year she's been in several of them, I guess. She will be in one anytime soon. I don't know who's, yeah, I don't know if they know yet who's doing this. Okay, so this, so. Um, this is one more. This is a, again, this wasn't Super Bowl. This was just a fan. Um, this is when you have blatant lies in commercials. So, again, I didn't check the facts on this, but I'm assuming it's from a. Uh, advertising lies. Sometimes, if I eat as I used to, my digestive system gets out of whack. It's not easy keeping it working as it should. It's easy if you enjoy an activity every day. Delicious <laughs> <laughs> with the exclusive probiotic Bifidus regularis. Activia helps regulate your digestive system. Put a smile back in your day. Some people will like downloading stuff twice as fast. Some people like finding their way twice as fast. But pretty much everyone will like paying half the price. (laughs) Every day is a mix of food, drinks, and physical activity. Balanced than others. So Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi have joined forces to launch Mixify. 
on the couch? Go for something less. Just finished an afternoon of frisbee? Maybe you've earned a little more. <laughs> Did you know one in three men will face prostate issues? One in three? Really? That's why one-a-day men's is a complete multivitamin with selenium, which emerging research suggests can help prostate health. bottom line is, it's a blatant lie, meaning, obviously some of these, I don't agree with all, but more or less, blatant lying, obviously, is going to be prohibited, according to Allah, and it violates everything, you know, literally stealing, you're giving bad advice, you're giving us that, all of the above. I want to get, um, the last five minutes, there's one, uh, there's one more, I just want to show you one other, I found this, this year's Super Bowl. Where'd you get those truth videos? This? YouTube. The Expose. Where'd you get those? YouTube. I just googled uh, lying and advertising. People you, have to, you don't have to work hard today. I have trouble turning the computer on. Okay, so this is one I wanted to show. So this is actually from the Super Bowl. Whoa, 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 listen, folks. I have to apologize again. Look, those were last year's numbers. It says right here on the card, T-Mobile doubled their LTE coverage in the last year. And with more LTE towers than Verizon, T-Mobile reaches pretty much everyone they do. I'm not taking responsibility on this one. Uh-uh, Verizon got it wrong. Yes, not me. Join the millions that switched. That was, uh, you know, he was the guy with the Miss America, obviously. That's up. So I just Googled more coverage maps. So I'll show you. So again, I don't, it doesn't say a date on these, but it was on a, a date on top was a pretty recent date. And this is, this is Verizon and this is T-Mobile. Um, meaning much more towers. So they're claiming they, they fixed the problem. Right? So I just, one Google, the first Google is the maps I got. And here I found an article which was around seven months ago. It says T-Mobile network gaining ground Verizon still dominates the latest nationwide group metrics report. These are objective reports. They're still saying that 
uh, Verizon is doing much better than T-Mobile. So again, that's just another well, example. That was seven months ago. Right. I can't imagine <laughs> seven months ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, listen. I don't got them all. <laughs> but, but the point is, so again, so you have that, again, is he saying, you know, what does he mean when he says it's better, our product's better, more coverage? That's a very vague statement, so you need to know what that, that really means. So if you turn to the back, um, this is just important to finish off with, we did the Taco Bell, we did the McDonald's, which is that, as we're saying, there's a concept of, um, even in advertising, they call puffery, which is what we mentioned before, meaning embellishing something is not lying. A reasonable man understands whenever you watch an advertisement that there's a, there's a certain amount, excuse me, of embellishment um, in what they're going to show, the, you know, the models have makeup, the people always look better, the before and after pictures, everyone understands that. Um, you know, when they're showing a Weight Watchers commercial, you know, the, the person, you know, one picture they look like they just, you know, they came out of a dead man walking came out of the grave, and the other one, they're wearing makeup and they're, you know, look much better, so it's understood. Most, the reasonable person understands that there's puffery in advertising, which the FTC says is understood, and Halacha also says that, and we, we quoted this last time, just going to read it again, um, where it says how, um, it talks about a bride, the Talmud says that when you go to a wedding, no matter what the bride looks like, you always tell the groom, you did great, okay, even though you're lying, so that's what the Talmud talks about, it says, how does one dance for the bride? The Chamay says, we praise the bride as she is. You gotta tell, you gotta be honest. You can't lie, even when it comes to a bride. Beitila says, in all cases, we say she is beautiful, she is a beautiful and charming bride. Um, so, so the Talmud says, now if she was lame or blind, do we still say she's beautiful and charming? Uh, she's missing a uh, leg, right? Uh, what do you say? As, as I always tell over the story of my brother-in-law um, when I was dating. So he, uh, when I was, uh, had my list of things, so it was why I was dating this girl. Everything was okay, you know, fit my list. She was brilliant, you know, everything, but uh, the looks weren't, like, you know, so great. So I was sitting my brother at a wedding. He was my advisor then. He's much older than me, and he, so he's saying, you know, you gotta come. He's telling the story. Everything's perfect with this girl, but the looks are... So he goes, uh, he says, listen, you know, he gives me the compromise speech. In marriage, you gotta compromise, you can't get everything you want. Famous compromise speech. So, and then it's like old, decrepit woman walking in, like as a barber says, she's coming in like in a walk. I said, she looks something like that. He goes, you have to compromise, but you don't have to be a martyr. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story I always tell over. So, so uh, he's saying, what happens if the bride is, uh, is, is bad, you know, is if she's missing, uh, what does it say, lame or blind? Do we still say she's beautiful? Torah says, distance yourself from falsehood, you're not allowed to lie. So he still says to Beit Shammai, According to your view, if someone made a bad purchase in the market, should one praise it in the purchaser's eyes or denigrate? I mean, the point is, it's the point of no return. You're at the wedding, okay, it's past the ceremony, the guy, uh, at this point, there's nothing, there's no point in telling the guy, you know, he did bad in his choice, okay? So therefore, you say, at this point, you got, if someone buys something, they come and buy a car, they come back and they bought a car. You gotta tell them it's a nice car, even though you know it's a, it's not a great car. And at this point, he says, you gotta tell him. So he says, of course you'd agree, you should praise it. Should therefore praise even an ugly bride. Okay, now the question is what the rationale behind it is, besides being nice to the groom, is, is because, first of all, it's sort of a white lie. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Obviously, if he's marrying her, he clearly thinks she's beautiful. Right, that's number one. Um, number two is, um, there's a, there's a certain sense, it's understood, of embellishment, as we're saying. It has to do with this aspect we're talking about. It's, if it's understood 
that this is the way people talk. Of course, everyone says the bride was beautiful. You know, that's the way everyone talks at every wedding. The bride is always beautiful. You know, so is it really true in every case? No, but that's the way it's spoken about. And therefore, in bed, what we're saying is puffery is allowed. The bride did look beautiful in her gown, and she, makeup was done. I mean, she, you know, her hair is done. So, so, uh, so there is a certain sense of puffery, and that's and that's the last quote here, which is very important. Um, it's actually talking about in negotiations where the Talmud, this is the tractate talking about vows. So normally, as we know, violation of your vow is a very uh, serious offense in, in Jewish law. Okay, so now the case here is where you have two people locked in negotiations. Okay, it says A asks for $4 for the product. B says two, he's only paying $2. Okay, so they're negotiating. So upon hearing B's bid, A proclaims, if I accept anything less than four, let bread be forbidden to me by force of a vow. That means I'll never eat bread the rest of my life. Says that I'll never accept anything less than four. I'll never. If I do, I'll never eat bread. And then B counters and he says, if if I offer anything, if I pay more than two, I'll never eat bread the rest of my life. Okay. Says the Talmud. And then they conclude the deal at three dollars. So they both now violated their vow. So it says they can both eat bread. Why? Because it's understood in negotiations. This is the this is the manner of speech. Whenever you're negotiating, it's understood. The person says, I'm never going to go less than this price. The other guy says, that's the way, that's what negotiations are. You have to show your, you know, your red line, you know, this is my red line. But everyone knows it's not really a red line. Okay, so the same thing in the, the, the same thing in advertising, I believe. Applying that same logic is puffery, it's normal. The, the manners of speech we use in our advertising, in many of them, it's understood that you're embellishing. When you say, this is the best product since, uh, you know, this is going to be the best product out there. Everyone knows that's not really what your man is, you know, we don't understand what that means. That's the concept of puffery here, which I think um, is important to know in all advertising, and therefore, there obviously is a broader definition when you say what's called deception. Again, the halacha clearly is a stricter definition than the FTC. Um, it doesn't have to be material loss, but it's understood, even, even the Talmud understands that there's a certain amount of, of what we call puffery or embellishment in, adverti- in advertising, and therefore, that's, if that's the normal manner of speech, again, for the reasonable man should understand that, then there's no problem. The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Thank you.